What's happening, Psych Athletes? Welcome back to the Psych Athletes Podcast, your home for all things mental performance. It's Ryan, of course, your host, and today we have the founder of Applied Vision Baseball, the one and only Mark Brooks here to talk about how we can slow the game down, how to redefine our definition of success, and how to shut off our inner critic. We also discuss the state of mental health and performance in the amateur sports realm, specifically the stigma behind it, lack of awareness, and lack of resources available for coaches and athletes. I had a lot of fun recording this episode. You know, Mark was fantastic. He was awesome. The insight that he was able to provide is truly invaluable. So thank you again, Mark, for hopping on. You guys can check out Applied Vision Baseball in the description, as well as all of his socials and contact info. So if you're a ball player and you're interested in working with Mark, be sure to check that out below. Like always, be sure to follow Psych Athletes on Instagram if you haven't already. Leave us a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts and enjoy the episode. All right, so what's up, Mark? Hey, what's up, brother? How you doing? Good, man. I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, so tell us a little about, uh, about your journey as an athlete and why you founded Applied Vision Baseball. Yeah, man. I mean, so I when I graduated from Bethune-Cookman University, that's, this was like back in 2009, 09, um, and I'm not getting drafted. I was a on the fence guy, and I didn't know what I wanted to do. You know, I was um, I knew that I was going to have to get a big boy job real soon, and uh, that <laughs> that was like a little scary. And uh, you know, I had from the time I was a freshman in college, I had been listening to Steve Springer quality at bats, and uh, that was a game changer for me because I would listen to it every day, and it would change the way that I think. And then I started to kind of understand the, the benefits of having a mental game, understanding how you can redefine your definition of success and how that can influence your peak performance on the field. And so I started to think about how maybe I could create um, some sort of um, uh, product or service that was related to what Steve, Steve was doing because he had a CD and everyone that I knew had listened to it and uh, so I reached out to him. I sent him an email and uh, he followed up. It was like, it was like, I was super surprised because I didn't think he'd ever, re- you know, respond to my email. Mm-hmm. He was like, Hey bud, I'm in, uh, I'm in Texas. I'm going to be home in two weeks. Uh, reach out to me then. And when he sent that email, I had just moved to LA and, uh, uh, moved to Long Beach. He was in Huntington, found out that it was like 15 minutes away. We had breakfast. He was eating pancakes, coffee. And he kind of just gave me a spill. He gave me the same spill that he had on quality of bats. And I just blew my mind because I was- Tell us, tell us uh, last... because not a lot of people are familiar with quality of bats. Can you uh-huh. let us yeah. know? Yeah, quality of bats is, it's an audiobook. It's almost like a, it's almost like a, um, like a special for a comic. It's like a 45 minute talk. He talks about the mental side of hitting, talks about his stories where, you know, he, he got cut in college or got cut in, didn't start in high school, got cut in college, and he ended up playing in the big leagues. And at the time, he was the, the uh, performance coach for the Toronto Blue Jays and the big league scout. And uh, he goes around the country speaking about the mental side of hitting. And uh, yeah, just completely changed my life. And at the time, I had started my own website. It was called Art of Baseball, Art of Baseball Productions. And my goal was to help promote personal development as a legitimate approach to success in baseball. That was sort of the, the, the mission statement that I had for art of baseball. And so spring and I started working together. I helped him sell his CD online. We turned it from a CD into a digital product. And then we co-founded the quality of bats Academy online, which is like, it's an online Academy. 
And uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. The rest is history. You know, we, we have been building that business for the past eight years and it's doing well. And uh, yeah, that's when I had the idea to eventually start Applied Vision Baseball, which is a separate business, but similar demographic. And Applied, Applied Vision Baseball is for, you know, pitch recognition, tracking, correct? Yeah, it's a, it's a visual performance. So we have like a whole list of visual uh, skill sets that we try to teach with regarding acuity. So we have pitch path prediction, which is psychotic rhythm, some of the more, some of the more uh, technical sides to, to vision performance. Um, we have memory recall. We have, um, um, we have um, um, basically psychotic rhythm, I would say is, is, the, is the most important one because as a hitter, when you're watching a big league, big league hitter perform and, you're, and it's like they can, they're on time on every single pitch. They're on time on the elite level fastball. They can sit back on the breaking ball. They can do damage on pitches up in the zone. What you're seeing is hitters who are able to recognize the pitch early and then predict where the ball will be at point of contact. So that's psychotic rhythm. It's to look at an image and then predict where it's moving towards. You're basically seeing it into the future. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's, that's the main that's the main uh, skill set that we work with in applied yeah. vision baseball. And for non-ball yeah. players, if you guys don't know, hitting a baseball at any speed is incredibly difficult. Yeah, you know, people, people will get mad when I say that hitting is the hardest thing to do consistently in all sports. I wasn't the only one to say it. Ted Williams said it. But if you break it down, it takes 400 milliseconds for a major league fastball to reach home plate, right? An average swing is about 150 milliseconds. So that means you have about 130 milliseconds to recognize the spin, speed, and location of a baseball and put a good swing on where you think the ball will be at point of contact. So it's hard, right? Yeah. It's super, super hard. So when I put it like that, then they start to kind of, you know, they kind of, they kind of get it. But they, when they hear me say that, they're like, oh, what about, what about MMA or what about golfing? Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it, it depends on how you look at it. But what I, I think the key word is consistency. You know, to be able to do it consistently, I think it's a, it's a, it's a big separator. And the huge yeah. thing, I see a lot of parallels between your product and mental performance. The first being um, <clears throat> how vision performance and training, you know, training your eyes, skills like that. Uh, there's resources that, for that available at the highest levels of the game, only in like, you know, D1 programs probably mm -hmm. that have, you know, software for that professional, you know, big leaguers most likely do it hundred uh, percent. Right. But you won't, won't, you won't find that much at the amateur level. There's not enough funding. There's not enough resources, time, you know, in practice, you know, you're moving, your coach has a huge list of things he wants to get through during the day. And it's the same way with uh, mental performance as well. At the highest level, this, at the highest levels of the game, you know, there's resources for sports psychology, for mental health, for building confidence, things like that. But there's not a lot of that to go around at amateur levels of the game. So I see a huge, huge parallel um, with that. And one of your key things is slowing the game down, right, mm -hmm. right, with your vision. Can you kind of expand on that for me a little bit? Because I think that's a, a skill and technique that um, not only the ball players that listen to this podcast, but a lot of uh, my other listeners can, can use as well. Yeah, well, I mean, when we talk about slowing the game down, there are a few keywords that come to mind, being a competitor, um, focusing on the results that you want, what you focus on expands, uh, making it not about you, and then having an approach. When you don't have an approach, when you're making it about you, when your goals are based off of, when your definition of success is based on 
elements of the game that are beyond your control. And when you're focusing on the results that you don't want, the game speeds up. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to slowing the game down, everything starts, everything is predicated on our approach, our mentality, and our definition of success. You know, for me, I think for anyone, it's you start to realize that in sports, uh, there's a there's a huge benefit in, in being able to perform with effortless effort, right? When you look at a big league player, it almost looks like they're hardly trying. They make it look so easy. And, you know, what's what's happened is they've learned how to compete and they've put in the work and they've been playing the game for so long that their inner critic shuts off. And, uh, you know, for young players, the sooner that you can incorporate that ability to compete and to be able to, like, really have the discipline to focus on the results that you want, you can finally start to let your natural abilities to come through and to allow what you work on in practice to translate into a game. And so, again, like like what I was saying about hitting a baseball, easier said than done, yeah. But I um, really like what you said, shutting off, shutting off your inner self. That's a big inner critic. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, The inner critic. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, there's, so there's two types of inner critic. There's the one that is the negative chatter. So we're judging things as good or bad. Right. Mm -hmm. And then the other one is, is a perfectionist, right? It's trying to achieve the perfect swing during a game. It's uh, it's trying, it's thinking about two or three checkpoints that they learned in practice. It's worried about who's in the stands, what the coach is thinking all at the same time. Right. How, I mean, how, how do you expect to be focused, present and on time when you're focusing on three or four or five different elements? It's very hard to do. So exactly. one mind. Yeah. One mind. That's that's the idea. It's one mind. When we step in the batter's box, we're we're trusting. We're trusting our abilities mm-hmm. to come through. Yeah, that's great. I love that. Yeah. It's impossible to do two things at once. You can't play at your peak potential. You can't perform in the present moment when mm-hmm. you're worried about external factors, when you're overthinking. Uh, when you're lacking confidence, when you're in your head, you know, stuck in your head. I like to say when you're in your head, you're dead. Um, you mentioned, I thought this was really interesting, what you said, redefine your definition of success. What do you mean by that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so I, I have to give credit to Steve Springer on this. I mean, he, he puts it, he, he put it the best. Mm-hmm. He says, you know, how can you have a goal where you do everything right and still go 0 for 4, right? Mm-hmm. You hit the ball right on the screws, you hit a right at somebody. You beat the pitcher, the pitcher's mom knows you beat him. But since your goal is on getting a hit, your confidence goes down, right? Mm-hmm. It's a hit. We can't, we, we can hit the ball right, right, right on the screws and it could be right at somebody. It's beyond our control. So that's what I mean by redefining your definition, definition of success. Have it be on something you can control. So for mm-hmm. spring, he talks a lot about competing with confidence, hitting the ball hard. He says, hit ball hard, you win. Um, it, it's great. You know, how I would put it is, we're winning at bats. You know, there's elements to winning the at bat that go beyond getting a hit or not. There are things with completely within our control. And it's essentially a checklist that we do every single time we step up to the plate. If we can do that, we're successful. Yeah. And that's a huge theme that that's taught in baseball, redefining, well, how you put it, redefining your uh, definition of success. Um, A lot of coaches will say like, you can do everything right. Exactly what you said. You can do everything right uh, in your game. And this is talked a lot about a lot in baseball. And you can go over four, you can lose the game, you can fail, you can execute your pitches and the hitter might just be good. 
you know, he right. might just hit, hit, hit his pitches. And he can get lucky. Yeah, exactly. And it's a huge thing in baseball, but it's also something that applies um, in every other sport as well. And if we get mad at results, if we have a results-oriented mindset, we're, not, we're never going to make any progress. It's only going to hinder us, you know, uh, hinder our confidence, you know, hinder our self-belief if we focus on the results. So I like to, you know, preach that we should have a progress-oriented mindset, focusing on things that we can control. And I think you per, uh, put it perfectly um, when you said mm-hmm. redefine your definition of success. Maybe that's going to have to be the title of this episode, but I thought that was great. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah um, I read on your website, this is also a skill that I learned in my playing days. My coach um, would talk to me about it all the time, but I, he never really articulated it well, and I never really knew what it meant, but I kind of understand it now. And I think that um, this is a vision skill that a lot of athletes outside of baseball can benefit from as well. Can you tell me about the idea? I saw it on one of your blogs, the idea of soft eyes um, and why it's why this kind of concept is really important to understand, not only in baseball, but uh, for other sports, too. How can you apply it to other sports? Soft eyes? Um, well, soft eyes is more about the physiology of the body. So what happens when we're tense, the muscles are, are constricted. So loose muscles are quick muscles, right? Mm-hmm. Tense muscles are slow muscles. There's muscles in the eyes. When we have strain in the eyes, it's harder to pick up a moving object. Mm-hmm. So one of our priorities when we're, um, when we're hitting is we're really focused on any aspect of our body that's holding tension. So, and that's usually related to our breathing. Yeah. So we really have to become, a, we, have to, we have to build that self-awareness of when we're tense. And there's a really good book that talks about this, the, the mental game of baseball. Mm-hmm. Uh, he talks a lot about breathing and then self-awareness, being aware of when you're tense and where you're holding that tension. Mm-hmm. A lot of times when we're competing um, um, and we are, this happens a lot when we're pressing, yeah. right? We, we feel the tense in our shoulders. We feel the, the tense in our, in our diaphragm and uh, we feel the tension in our eyes. So we mitigate that by becoming aware of the breathing. If the breathing is up in the chest, we're a little bit more tense. The breathing's, you know, slow, calm, cool, and collected, under control. It's usually in the belly. And then from there, we can become a little bit more aware using body scans of where we're holding that tension. If it's in our eyes, then, you know, that's where we need to, that's where we know where to let go. Once we do that, that's essentially soft eyes. Yeah. But it starts with your breathing. Mm -hmm. And this is kind of a perfect example for my listeners. When I talk about uh, the mind-body connection um, and the actual physiological impact that controlling your breathing has on your performance, when we're talking about, you know, when your mind starts racing, right, and your heart starts beating fast, you start to tense up, you start to Mm -hmm. kind of, you know, press, strain, your muscles are going to get timid, they're going to get tight, and we're not going to perform well. You know, that's just, you know, fact. Okay, so mm-hmm. when, when, we, when we feel that, you know, stress and that tension and um, um, the idea of effortlessness and soft eyes, we want to we start that within, you know, our breathing. And that's perfect. You, you teach exactly what I talk about all the time, diaphragmatic breathing. Um, if mm-hmm. you don't know what that is, it's kind of like belly breathing a little bit. Yeah. And everything, yeah. like all the muscles are connected to kind of your diaphragm. So once you start, you know, relaxing those muscles in your diaphragm, everything else starts to relax as well. You probably know that. Yeah. Do you meditate? Yeah, of course. Every morning. Yeah. Yeah. That's and we cool. talk about it a lot on this podcast. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, like, for young hitters, this might be, I would imagine that this is a foreign concept, especially for like a freshman in high school. But 
you know, really what it comes down to, man, is self-awareness, mm -hmm. being aware of how your body's functioning. So many young players, there's like, there's like, there's two sort of hurdles that I see a lot of young players struggle with. One is, the, is strength and balance, strength and balance in the lower half. Mm -hmm. So a lot of young players, they struggle with swinging with reckless abandon, mm -hmm. right? And with intent, because they don't have the strength and the, and the, uh, the conditioning and the balance in their leg, lower half yet to really incorporate it in their swing. The other thing is they're just not aware of their body. They're not mm -hmm. aware of, they're not aware of the, the mental chatter. They're not aware of what's going on in the body. So there's not like a check-in essentially. But yeah, um, so much of that is overlooked in amateur sports. It's never talked about. We talk about it all the time. I'm gonna let you go on, but all the time we say 90% of the game is mental, right? We talk about it all the time. All the coaches are like, it's all in your head. Like you, you need to focus, blah, blah, blah. But then they do nothing, practically nothing to address the mental side of the game, especially in, you know, lower level, uh, lower levels of the sport, not just in baseball yeah. and every other sport. But yeah, go on. Yeah. I think, well, I think the reason why you see that is because, well, it's harder to teach. It requires, it requires the person to teach it to have gone through the fire themselves. Yeah, exactly. To have actually done the inner work themselves. So it's like self-knowledge, you know, in, in order for you to really teach it, you'd have to have gone through it yourself. Um, that's why I think Steve Springer is like the best to ever do it. I mean, he's like 14 years in the minor leagues, you know, he was a grinder. Yeah, um, he's a great it. storyteller. Uh, so I think that's the other reason why is because yeah, the coaches. The other thing is, you know, and this is sort of a, a defense for coaches is a lot of what they're doing. They're, they're kind of coming from a place of scarcity where they're, they don't want to lose their job. They're trying to build a career. And so a lot of their interactions with, with players is transactional. You know, that's why you're getting Business that fair weather. It's, it is. It's a, a, that's why you get the um, what have you done for me lately type of coach and the mm -hmm. micromanaging coach. It's because they, they look at their players as a tool for them to further their career. And, you know, that kind of goes back. You're to sure this is a defensive aspect. coach? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I just mean it's a, it's a challenge, you know. Yeah. It's, we all struggle with, with selfishness if we're being completely mm -hmm. honest. And it requires for you to actually do the work for you to feel, uh, to have the self-esteem and the confidence to be able to, you know, give players the chance and give them the room to grow, you know, while risking your career. It requires coaches to take chances. It really does. Yeah. When I talk to coaches all the time, I've had a couple on podcasts um, and we talk about it and they, they acknowledge, you know, how much of the game is mental. They just cite that they don't have the time. They don't have the resources. They don't have the funding. And it's unfortunate, you know, because if elite level athletes are, you know, practicing mental performance and mindfulness techniques and self-awareness and breathing, then why shouldn't we, you know what I mean? So that's why we kind of founded this uh, Psych Athletes, this hub for mental performance. So we could spread awareness for that fact, you know, because right. I see athletes struggling with it every day. There's so many athletes that come to me and they're like, you know, I just had, I had no idea. And that's mm -hmm. how I was when I was playing. I was just lost. You know, I had no yeah. one to turn to, no one, no one to talk to. And, you yeah. know, if I stumbled across your page, I, pro I probably would have gone down that rabbit hole and had a much, you know, more fulfilling career. You know, so it's hard. Yeah. And I acknowledge that coaches, you know, sometimes don't have the resources for it. But I also think coaches sometimes ignore the fact um, they understand it and they have this kind of skewed definition of mental toughness of what it is. And yeah. I think the culture in baseball um is is tough you know yeah. 
it's suck it up. It's internalize everything I talked about that with you earlier. You know, what, what else do you think contributes to that mental stigma um, in baseball, especially, and in other male-dominated sports? I don't know, man. I mean, I think I think it really depends on who you ask. And for me, it's obvious. Baseball is the biggest self-esteem destroying sport in the world. <laughs> and the obvious reason is because it's a game of failure. Um, but I think to to answer your question, it just goes back to it's it's not easy to communicate the mental aspect. It requires leadership. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a leadership skill to be able to talk about the inner game and to do it in a way that that sticks, because. Um, Here's, here it is. Teaching the mental side of baseball is a very subjective experience mm-hmm. because we're all unique. We're all different. We all come from a different background. We all have, we all have different hangups. There are only like a handful of universal principles when it comes to mental, the mental side of baseball. And if a coach doesn't know them, I mean, yeah, he has no, he has no ability to come from a place of strength. So what does he do? Well, he teaches how to be on time with the fastball. Or he teaches mechanics and he teaches, you know, the uh, small game. But um, yeah, it takes it takes a different type of person to be able to talk about the mental side of of a uh, baseball and had to inspire players to adopt that to buy in. Yeah, and I think that's part of our job, you know, um, yours especially. And you've take you've taken up the role perfectly. If you guys don't know, Applied Vision Baseball is on Instagram. Uh, Mark posts. Uh, motivational mindset, you know, mindfulness techniques on his page all the time. And it's great. It's wonderful. So if you're a ball player, a player of any other sport, you guys Mm -hmm. should go check that out. Um, But it's definitely up to us to spread that awareness of, you know, mental performance and the importance of of well-being, of recovery, of, you know, self-awareness and mindfulness techniques, because it can benefit, you know, everyone's performance, not only their performance, but well-being in the long run, not just in their sport, you know, for the rest of their life. You know, and I think yeah. it's up to us um, and people that do have platforms to kind of spread that awareness of mental health and mental performance. And I think, I think today it's growing a lot, definitely. I think you see a lot of it. You know, I go on Instagram all the time, maybe about two, three years ago, I never saw a lick of, you know, mental health or, you know, mindset, you know, performance posts on Instagram at all. And now I go through Instagram and that's all I see. Maybe it's because I, you know, have, I'm in the sphere now, but um, I think we're trending in the right direction. I definitely think it's up to us to spread that awareness. So um, I think if listeners at home, you know, if they're listening to this right now, it's, it's up to you too. spread that, uh, spread, spread your awareness of mental performance and, and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah. I want to dive I in. I was just going to say, I, I think, yeah. There, there, so when I was, when I was younger, there was, I think a stigma uh, when it came to mental health awareness, if you had issues, there was something wrong with you yeah. or it, it was a, it was reflective of your character. Now, you know, my, my fiance, she's a therapist and uh, yeah, we talk about these concepts all the time. You know, trauma is, I mean, there's, you're not going to get, you're not going to live your life unscathed. You know, we're all going to have some sort of trauma. I mean, we just are, it's just a reality of life. And uh, you know, I will say one thing when it comes to coaches, um, one of the, the one archetype that I've seen coaches struggle with when it comes to players is the sort of um, the cancer on the team, right? The guy who's uh, sort of an idiot, a little <laughs> bit obnoxious. And there's one on every team, but you know, I've so I used to give like I used to give a lot of lessons. I, used, I had a um, 
a consulting business called Baseball Dojo, and I used to give like 50 lessons a week. And I, like in the span of three years, I, wor- I gave probably over a thousand hitting lessons. I've worked with all different types of players. And I noticed that the ones that, um, you know, were socially awkward or I guess what you would call selfish, man, if you, if you just knew what their life was like at home or what their childhood was like, you'd probably have a, you know, a different perspective of, of who they were. You'd probably be a little bit more um, empathetic. So I think there's a huge opportunity with coaches with understanding, you know, the, the challenges that young athletes have with mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, yeah, like you said, I think that's changing slowly with yeah. awareness. Trauma definitely exists, you know, for athletes outside of sport, but inside of sport as well, you know, little things, because we have such impressionable minds when we're, when we're growing up um, and we're playing sports and you've seen the kind of, environment that uh, the kind of culture that sports is kind of becoming the ultra competitive uh, club baseball, like at 12 years old, at like 13 years old, you have these parents paying, you know, such pressure on these coaches to win, you know, tournaments that don't really mm-hmm. matter. Um, it's, it's huge in, in club baseball. I definitely experienced it. And it's huge in like AAU basketball as well. Um, and, you know, you have these athletes going through such extreme pressure at such a young age where they should just be enjoying the sport, you know, having fun and getting better. Um, and, you know, a little thing like a coach yelling at you or you messing up a, a play in like the championship game of your tournament, you know, these things kind of have a long lasting impact on your subconscious. There's um, no doubt about it. There's no um, doubt about it. hundred percent. I can pinpoint at least eight different, you know, uh, experiences in my past that I think affected me in the long term, definitely my career, because it not only impact, impacts your performance in the future, you know, you go through that experience again, you get these, you know, negative negative thoughts it impacts you um, outside of sport as well and coaches just like what you said earlier coaches are just not equipped to deal with that you know on an emotional or mental level and it's unfortunate um and i'm not you know blaming coaches Uh, i'm more blaming the culture of you know youth sports and growing up um but there's not a lot of a lot that coaches can do but coaches can be understanding and they can mm-hmm. be considerate of, you know, past experience of young players, young athletes. Um, yeah. Well, a lot, of, a lot of this is the parents, too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, are, are, are you the type of parent that's living vicariously through your kid? Mm-hmm. Or see a are lot you of using, that in youth sports. Oh, you do. And it's, it's sad. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes, yeah, when I see I just want to take a parent to the side and just be like, dude, this is not going to matter in a year, let alone five to ten. You know, and not one coach in college is going to ask your kid what he hit, mm-hmm. you know, when he was in Little League. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, it's a huge factor in, in burnout as well. You see so many kids just at young ages be like, you know, I'm tired of this. I, I had a lot of teammates in high school and before high school drop like flies because, you know, the competitive nature of youth sports. You know, you shouldn't be pre- you shouldn't be playing, you know high pressure situations until you get to like your varsity years in, in high school. And this goes not only for baseball, but for all sports as well. I feel like, you know, trial by fire, like, you know, you, you build mental toughness with high pressure, pressure situations. I think that's true to an extent, you know, I think you kind of learn that skill as you, you know, get older and advance in your levels of competition. But I think the main key is just for athletes, young athletes, just to have fun. Yeah, I I think I agree. Yeah, it's a fine line. I mean, it's it it goes back to um, 
how each player is different. Mm-hmm. But uh, in general, I think the main focus should definitely be on having fun. Like really being able to develop a love for the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then having that uh, competitive nature come out slowly. Uh, this, I mean, it doesn't mean that everybody's going to get a trophy. Um, it's important that kids learn what it feels like to lose. Um, but yeah, fun is important, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> 70% of the game of baseball and other sports as well is, is failure. And I think I wanted to ask you about this. You know, there's, you see so many kids in baseball, especially when um, they should be taught every single day that you're going to fail. And they probably are. You're going to fail. You're going to, you're going to fail. You're going to fail. Why do you think so many kids are still scared to fail? So many, you know, not only kids, you know, athletes in the college level, in the high school level, why do you think they're still scared to fail, even though they're told every day that it's okay, you're going to? Yeah, that's a tough question, man. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think back with some kids. You know, a lot of it's, a lot of it's emotional makeup, mm-hmm. you know. Um, it could be the pressure that's being put on them by the parents. Usually kids who do really well in school typically will be perfectionists on the ball field. I've noticed that. Um, for me, dude, I, like, I didn't start struggling with failure until I was, like, probably a freshman in college. And I didn't even know what I hit throughout high school mm-hmm. actually my senior year I knew what I hit but uh um you know it, it's it's a it's, it's a weird thing I think ultimately it comes down to the the culture of the sport so focused on the results focused on stats what gets measured gets ma- managed so you're starting to see like little like um travel ball clubs um uh collecting stats Parents know what their kids are hitting. Kids know what they're hitting. Uh, yeah, there's. I don't think there's anything good that can come out of that. So that's probably where it's coming from. But I also just think it's ultimately it's, it's the if a kid has is struggling with that, it's usually the pressure that's put on them by, by the parents. Yeah, it's it's you know? it's almost like we're we're saying one thing but doing the opposite, right? We're mm-hmm. saying that baseball is a game of failure. You're gonna you're gonna fail seven times out of ten. But we're collecting stats. We're caring about the results of you know. Uh, junior varsity, you know, high school games, you know, exhibition. Mm-hmm. We're caring about how much yeah. we hit, you know, what's our batting yeah. average, what's our ERA, you know, those yeah. measurables in baseball because it's a game built on stats yeah. and other games are as well. But we're saying it's okay to fail and then kind of punishing people when they're not hitting above 250, of three, uh, of, above 300. And it's okay. Like, that's how the game is. You know, if you're not going to perform, especially at high school or college levels, you're most likely not going to play. Right. But we can't say, we can't say, you know, it's okay to fail. You're going to fail seven times out of 10 and then do the complete opposite. It has such an you know, impact on, you know, young minds. Right. You know do, I mean? do you mean in, in terms of uh, like when a player fails, how we communicate with them? Is that what you're saying? Not necessarily. Well, yeah, in a way, I think it's more not so much, you know, how we communicate, but how we, react when they do in a way when they do how fail. We treat them when 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 they do fail um like right. we said earlier baseball at, at, at the higher levels it's like a business and mm-hmm. that i think that leads to the extraordinary stress and pressure that a lot of athletes are feeling um that's what i mean when i say you know we say one thing and we kind of do another yeah yeah i mean so i i I do see some teams doing it. I don't know if you've heard of quality of bats, like quality of bats chart. 
Um, that's a pretty popular game changer. They they implemented it into their platform. Uh, we get hit up by by um, by teams all the time asking us for a quality bat spreadsheet. Uh, it's there. I mean, I think I think the coaches that touched it, smelt it, and felt it, and comp- competed at a high level you know, college minimum, and now they're coaching Little League teams, and they grew up listening to Steve Springer, or they grew up listening to quality at bats, they're starting to adopt it. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, yeah, I mean, the the best, the best thing that you can hope for, if I was, if I had a kid right now, what I would do is I would make sure I had a coach who was aware of quality bats, and he kept a quality bat chart. That's probably the best way to do it, because you're measuring performance, but it's key performances based off of the things that the player can control, you know, uh, hitting the ball hard, making the pitcher work, putting pressure on the defense, being tough, being tough with two strikes, um, seeing the ball. Make, um, those, those are all things that equal to a quality at bat and they have nothing to do with getting a base hit. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think, and the parents have got to buy in and they've got to teach that to their kids. And hopefully they have a coach who has already bought in. You know, that's like the best case scenario. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think that's great. Um, we're running a little bit long on time here, but I do want to go back and I want to address like the main theme that we've kind of been talking about. I know we spent a lot of time talking about, you know, culture and uh, stigma regarding, you know, mental health and performance in baseball. Um, but mm-hmm. I do want to talk once again about redefining our definition of success because I think it's a huge theme that a lot of athletes, not only baseball players, but athletes – from all different types of sports can um, take advantage of, you know, focusing mm-hmm. on what we can, tr- can control, you know, the mm-hmm. results aren't always going to be an accurate reflection of how we perform. And a lot right. of times, sadly, we take, um, we take stock in, you know, results. We, we let it damage our self-esteem. We let it damage our confidence. We let it damage our motivation, you know, or, or, you know, everything about it. Yeah. And I think that's huge redefining your definition of success. And I thought you put it wonderfully. Awesome, man. Yeah. I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> That's great. But yeah, if you guys are listening at home, you know, think about that for a little bit. Okay. Again, you know, your performance is not always going to be an accurate uh, depiction of your effort level of what you executed and what you did right. Uh, and I think that's what you guys should take away from it. I loved having you on, Mark. You were yeah, great. Man. Thanks uh, for having me. If you have anything in promo, you have, um, where can we find you? Where can we work with you? Yeah, AppliedVisionBaseball.com. You can sign up to the free newsletter. Um, that's where you can also train your pitch recognition and vision. Um, I'm most active on Instagram. I don't. I have a TikTok, but I think I have like one post on there. I've been planning on uh, putting some more stuff on there. But Instagram is where I'm most active. So you can DM me there if you ever have any questions. And uh, I think I have a Twitter too, AppliedVisionBB, I believe. Okay. But uh, but yeah, mostly Instagram. Awesome. And all those links, if you're a ball player, softball player, all those links will be available in the description below. So you guys go ahead and go check that out. Um, I had a great time, Mark. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah. Thanks, Ryan. I appreciate it, man. And we'll see you guys in the next episode.